My guest today is going to talk about the world that we cannot see and her experiences in investigating it and talking to people that understand it on a level that perhaps you and I have not taken the time to meditate on. I find that this is an interesting conversation because it's applicable to how we bring in stories to our lives and what type of energy we give them, whether we allow the headlines to harm us or lift us up. And so I'm excited to bring you this story. I want to let everybody know I also went to the Rage Against the War Machine rally in D.C. yesterday, February 19th, and I will be covering those interviews with people like former presidential candidate of the Green Party, Jill Stein, on my shows this week. So you're going to want to tune in to hear all those great conversations and hear the coverage I did uh, for that rally. Uh, But uh, without further ado, sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened with Greg Bolden. I'm your host. So glad that you're here. Make sure you're going to AmericaOutloud.com, where we have hundreds of articles per week by some brilliant individuals. Somehow they included me in with all that. (laughs) Today, I have a fabulous guest with you. Uh, Her name is Laurie Elizabeth, and she does a podcast called Seekers Insights with Laurie Elizabeth. Now, this podcast is a weekly episode that is very well produced. For my listeners, I just want to let you know, this is not like my show where I talk to you for 30 minutes with some interviews and bring people in. This is really well thought out conversations with people that are psychics, uh, people that are mediums, channelers, astrologers, animal communicators, which is something I want to talk to you about today, Laurie. Also talk about uh, Reiki masters, which I believe, Laurie, you are one. Yeah. And energy healers gets through to uh, clairvoyance and so many other things. But the concept is to take us into the unseen world, the things that are almost taboo to talk about or people maybe don't meditate enough. So first, foremost, Laurie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Greg. So tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into being a Reiki master and where's this meditation and spirituality, this interest come from for you? Oh, boy. Um well, let me just go back a little bit. I, my age, it's a lot. Um, I've never not known that I've lived many times before. I have a memory of a, on a playground in second grade of just looking at my hands and saying, so this is the body I have. Wow. And I'm going, where did that thought come from? It's weird. But you don't know it's weird when you're a kid. You're just going, oh, so, so, so this is the new skin. This is cool. But ever since that time, I've been blessed to have people around me that have extraordinary talent. I grew up, you know, with a mother who was very open-minded. She did yoga. She did meditation before it was cool. Just as the Maharishi came in, she learned how to do TM, Transcendental Meditation. Mm -hmm. She taught me how to do it, which saved me a lot of money. Um, (laughs) and, And 
so forth. And then she had friends around her. And I was blessed from like my early 20s on with a family astrologer who did not use a calculator. She used the book of the planetary movements called the ephemeris and a piece of paper and a pencil. And she did everything by hand, which gave her extraordinary insight and intuition into her clients. And eventually she ran about a 95% accuracy rate. Wow. Which was astounding. Um, So I've had that benefit all my life. Well, all that did was it threw me into books. It threw me into reading about things. And of course, you know, when you're young and you want to get thrills and stuff, you start reading about ghost hunters. And and there was Hans Holzer and all of his many paperback books about ghost hunters. And that got me into, well, then there's life after death. And then there's research into reincarnation. And oh, look, there's people in India remembering past lives. And this has been going on for 50 years. So, a lot of my listeners um, are going to come from different various faith backgrounds. And so mm-hmm. my show, American Boldened, is basically we, we look at all the headlines of the world, uh, what's going on that are affecting American lives, especially here locally. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say locally, I mean the United States, not here in the studio of the of <laughs> state of Delaware. Uh, but when, when we look at this, I try to call out what is the truth. So... Uh, My show does not support a political candidate. It does not support a political party. Mm -hmm. Um, But I oftentimes will talk about how it's making people feel the situations, right? The energy Mm -hmm. that we spend on all of these headlines. And so knowing this background of being self-aware of uh, maybe previous lives, or if my listeners don't believe in that, uh, having your Christianity belief or whatever that belief may be. I want to get into that a little bit sure. with you today, mm-hmm. uh, how there, we can maybe acknowledge the different religions, world religions as well. Within I can do this. that in my life. Yes. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why it's really important that we put down technology we put down some of these headlines from time to time, and I do shows like this from time to time mm-hmm. because it's important for people to capture their own energy and remind themselves not to get caught into a vicious cycle of distraction and slant. And so after hearing you know, an episode where you have somebody talking to a pet, okay, mm-hmm. my mind was blown. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about my personal uh, psychic abilities of what I believe that I can do, which I'd I don't like share with this. my my listeners. My grandfather, who passed away in 1990, and uh, my grandmother occasionally, only when there's something really important about to happen, come to me and tell me in my dreams. That's fantastic. And I, it, I have no idea when it's going to happen, but I knew... When each of the children, my nieces and nephews, as well as my own children, were going to be born, when my wife was pregnant, not because my wife told me, but because my grandparents came in a dream and told me. Oh, that's really wonderful. Yeah. And when I tell people, you know, most people go, sure, they did, right? But I've actually, my mom has the same ability. Mm-hmm. When my nephew, Braden was born, mm-hmm. uh, she wrote it down in an envelope what the weight was going to be. And I wrote that it was going to be a boy because I remembered seeing the blue uh, baby in his arms saying, congratulations, Mm -hmm. you're going to be an uncle. And so we opened that after he was born. This is, he's almost 17 now. So 17 years ago, Mm -hmm. sure enough, she had the exact weight proper. Now her parents, my other set of grandparents, they died before I was born. Mm -hmm. They speak to my mother. No kidding. Yeah. So it's, it's some type of weird pattern. 
that's going on here in our lives of what but i don't have i don't feel that i have any other psychic abilities oh that's plenty yeah look um i hate to say this but everybody's got something right everybody's got the capability whether or not we shut it down is a different story sure um i my husband for example had an experience that he it saved his life uh he was driving in a car he was falling asleep at the wheel he heard his grandmother outside the cab calling to him, wake up, wake up. And he did, saved his life. But unfortunately, she was like, you know, like three feet off the ground and she was quite deceased by about several years. Mm-hmm. And But he, it scared him so that he closed that off. But I will tell you that every time my husband tells me he has a hunch, I listen to him, okay? The same thing happens with me. Um, I don't consider myself like you any more psychic than, you know, this, this table right here. And yet I can tell you that my brother who is deceased came to me recently and it was the first time he was able to break through in my dreams. And he came to me in a dream and, and here's here's how I knew it was him. It was my front door. When you dream dreams, you know, you're, you have a dream house and you have dream people and all that stuff. No, this was my house. And it was my husband who met me at the door and behind him, they were so excited that when I got in the door and I said, what, what's this all about? And my husband steps out of the way. My brother pops out and just comes up and gives me the biggest hug. And I immediately woke up. Now, that's what I've been waiting for right. <laughs> since he's deceased since 2010. So it took a little while. Now, I believe it was Freud or Carl Jung. I'm not sure which which psychologist said this, but was someone made the point that we are everybody in our dreams, that we actually embody Right. So mm-hmm. Jung says we're everybody in our dreams. We're playing these parts. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the energy in the world, are we just in tune with the energy that's around us, that our dreams are bringing their energy into our lives through those interactions? And, you know, maybe my wife knows she's pregnant. That energy goes from one point to the next until I'm dreaming in that frequency, whatever that may be. Have you talked to anybody that's told you how this is possible? Has anyone had that conversation with you that you've spoken with? Plenty. Um, consciousness is a field. Okay. This is this is written up by Planck, um, the great philosophers. They all knew this, that it's it's a field. It's And it comes in waves to people. So whatever you literally put out, you will see come back to you because the field is a field of reciprocity. Okay. Be careful what you put out into the field of consciousness because it comes back to you. Even the Bible says tenfold, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's it's literally all around us. But I'm, I'll go one step further. The cautionary tone is not just be careful what you put out there, but be careful what you imbibe in. Be careful what you read and know for a fact that people everywhere, regardless of what you think, have a bias Every single person, every program you watch, everything you listen to, everything you read. What is it? Um, Believe nothing of what you hear and only half of what you read. Let's just say just don't believe anything and form your own opinions. The great philosophers had the same opinion for themselves. There were no right or wrong answers. You were taught critical thinking for yourself. And that's what we lack. And I think that's a call to action for today right now. Do you think that there is a a distraction in the world on purpose because there are people – now, this is going to sound conspiratorial, and I don't do conspiratorial, but I I, I try to do do common sense. Sure. 
is some of the distraction that keep people from reaching a potential where people realize they don't need to rely on all these other things, that people don't reach their full potential. Well, let me say this. Can you imagine what it would be like to have people of totally independent thought? We wouldn't have any political parties. We wouldn't have any platforms. We wouldn't have any belief systems. And that doesn't work out well for a lot of individuals, let alone organizations that they run. Right. So it would be a problem if they didn't have that. Hmm. You know, I think about Steve Jobs when he created the iPhone and the iPad. They asked him, do your children use this? He says, no way. They're never going to be allowed to use it. Now we have a nation that stays on their cell phones for six minutes, six hours to seven hours a day. Uh, this is the average for a teenager. I think it's four hours, four and a half hours for an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, we're missing the interactions with one another, the eye contact. You can see it children. You can see you it can. children today. Uh, I, I just had a conversation with my students uh about two days ago, about anxiety and talking about when I first started uh, education, about 2001, I was teaching at a school, Our Lady of Fatima, Newcastle. Mm -hmm. And I would be, I would probably only see two students that were the classical anxiety cases back then. Right. Where now I can have a classroom of 20 students and I could say that I have about 50% of those students out of 180 students, I likely have somewhere around 100 students with anxiety. And we're not talking about, well, I'm anxious in this moment. It's about, no, like, this is debilitating anxiety. And the only thing that I've seen that's changed is this overstimulation of our brains with information, with distractions, and less human interaction, less connection to what's around us. Yes. And here's something else to consider. Children's brains aren't fully formed until they're in their 20s, maybe even early 30s. So we're giving them devices that in every which way that you can think of are telling them how to think, what to do, what to wear, um, what to look like, how to, how to talk, how not to talk. How to if I were that age again, I would be an absolute mess for what I'm supposed to do, what they think I should do, what my peer group should do. Should I go with my peer group? This is what they're dealing with. Oh, and by the way, right. do your math homework. Oh, and, and by the way, feed the dog. You know, it's it's, it's yep. too much, I think, for kids. And, and Jobs had the right idea. I've seen, you know, advertisements and, and things online with babies trying to, you know, they, they've learned books, and then they put their finger on the pad, and they're trying to turn the page on the pad. That's confusing enough for that infant. Right. But we're expecting these kids to act like adults, and they can't. That's why they're children, and we give them no guidance. Instead, we kind of throw them into the deep end, and when we're at dinner, we give them the cell phone to watch whatever it is they watch so that they don't have to interact with the people at the table. Well, I don't know about you, but I, my mother didn't get us out and about people until we were socialized, mm -hmm. and you didn't run around the table, or you didn't need a phone to keep you company. So... I think we're doing them a huge disservice. And the anxiety level that you're seeing, I think, is trying to sort that and sort and live with it in some sane way. But they don't know how. And I'll be frank, I don't think their parents know how either because they're bombarded from all sides. Not only do they have this phone for fun and for emergencies and for whatever, then they're on a computer screen how many hours a day? And that's not interacting unless you're on Zoom. And that's still weird. 
Right. (laughs) We got used to that. Laurie, I thought that was the new normal. (laughs) Yeah. You can take that new normal and there's a window. Okay. Yeah. I can tell you where you can stick it. (laughs) Yeah. And the sun's not there. Nope. So, So, yes, I can imagine. And social anxiety disorder is on the rise. It is. Especially in young kids. Mm -hmm. But we send them to school. The primary purpose of education is socialization, Greg. The greatest thinkers from Descartes on up said the same thing. So that when you're you're socializing your kids, you don't put a phone in front of their face. Yeah, and you get so many parents send their kids to school with a phone. phone. So, So the reason I'm bringing this up and the way I think that ties to what you do as a podcast and what you're working on we don't spend enough time thinking about what we don't see. Right. Right. And so I'm simply giving you the observation in my classroom, what I am seeing. What I don't see is the ability for kids to spend time in quietness with themselves without that distraction. Can, can you talk to my listeners maybe a little bit about the importance of spending even five minutes a day in meditation, breathing, and why it's important now more than ever? Yeah. We have six intelligences altogether, according to the ancient philosophers. Um, and of those six, okay, so we're, you're talking the um, today's average analytical mind. Um, you're talking about the emotional mind, you're t- all through these different things. But the most important one, without boring everybody with it, is the imaginal line, okay? That whole imagination. And you tell me a kid that's attached to that in your class. You may find one or two, but if you encourage meditation as they do in Asia and as they do in a lot of places around the world, you are tapping into that imagination, that mind of creativity, that mind of possibility that is quiet, it's restful, it's welcoming, and when you're quiet, ideas come. It's inspiration. You can say that comes from spirit, but I think it comes from ourselves too. But you don't do that unless you get quiet. And so we don't allow that in our schools. Hell, we took out prayer. I mean, that's it was communal and it was like recited, but even the thought of that moment of silence is anathema to a lot of people because they don't know how to be quiet. Yeah, I actually do the announcements uh, at my job here at the school. Mm-hmm. And Every day after the Pledge of Allegiance, I tell students, please remain standing for a moment of silence. Excellent. And I use that opportunity for my own purposeful prayer for the day. I mean, I don't say it out loud. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I'm in a public school. But I like to provide that opportunity for kids to just sit in silence for even 15 seconds. And I have a little timer even in my mind because I know how long it takes me to say my direction of intention. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, I'll tell everybody, you may be seated and I'll start the announcements. But Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we provide opportunities to be silent to be able to hear and see what's unseen, right? We have no power of observation because of that. Right. So you give them that moment. Observe your breath. Observe your aliveness that you're here and present. That in and of itself is huge creativity. And you don't connect otherwise. You asked about breathing. Mm -hmm. In that moment of silence, just the opportunity to take that deep, deep breath and feel it fill your lungs and then empty it is like just that moment of, okay, I can do this. Let's go. 
Yeah, so many people, uh, and I'm, I'm guilty of this myself, one of the greatest inventions that Apple ever came up with is the Apple Watch <laughs> for the moment of mindfulness. Yeah. You know, just tapping me on my wrist and telling me, take a deep breath, you know, and breathe in for six seconds, breathe out for six seconds. Yep. And I realized I'm a shallow breather. Yep. And I mean, you hear me now, you're sitting in front of me, you can tell I'm like a person that's probably a little bit higher of a motor than some people. Like I'm normally mm -hmm. on edge into my conversations. I enjoy them, mm -hmm. but that causes us not to take deep breaths. So when you're constantly in that part of, Ooh, what's the world have to offer me? You're not going, Ooh, what do I have to offer the world? And our breathing, I believe helps us through some of those things. Your breathing is your life force. It feeds everything about you. It feeds the entire chakra system. It feeds everything in your body. It's how you're alive. Without that, you're not here. You mentioned anxiety levels in your students. What is one thing that will calm anxiety immediately? Deep breathing. Mm -hmm. It's been scientifically proven. Massachusetts General still has, with John Kabat-Zinn, the massive relaxation program. It's been proven scientifically time and time again. You want to stop the anxiety? Breathe. Breathe deeply. Take the 15 seconds to do five or six deep breaths. And you'd be surprised. Everything clears. The fog clears. You center. You ground. And you're not flying and flitting about. And you're really not afraid anymore. And that's what anxiety is. It's fear. Yeah, uh, the great Michael Benark, I, I, I was, had the incredible opportunity of recording his final words before he died. And we knew that it was going to be his final interview. Mm -hmm. And his final thing that he wrote in his blog after that episode was um, anything, and I'm going to kind of mess paraphrase up the quote, it. paraphrase a little bit, <laughs> but he said, anything in life that you have anxiety towards or fear towards, learn as much as you possibly can about it. Because once you learn about it, the fear goes away. Exactly. And it's the same thing with breath, right? Yes. Once we take control of our body, the physical response that we have going on, the mental response starts to go away. Mm -hmm. We're, we're going to take a quick break right here, okay. get a word from our sponsors. Sure. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, the ghost world a little bit. We had a ghost hunt here at my job, and mm -hmm. we actually were able to communicate with a spirit, we believe. Okay. Uh, but I want to talk about uh, people that you've spoken with in that world, people that talk to pets, things that people can hear on your podcast. All right. Sure. Excellent. Everyone, make sure you're going to americaoutloud.com. You can get the Genesis HOCL Fogger. It's a fogger that I use here at the school where I'm recording this right now, as well as at my home. It helps clear the air of mold. It helps clear the air of viruses as well as bacteria. It's a great little device. They also have the atomizer. You can plug it in, set it, and forget it. Help keep your home healthy. You can go to genesisfogger.com backslash out loud, and you get a discount on that product simply for listening to my show. It's a good deal. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden and my special guest, Laurie Elizabeth, here on the America Out Loud Network. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. 
We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, Bold Americans. We have been speaking with Laurie Elizabeth, who runs the podcast Seekers Insights with Laurie Elizabeth. And you can find that on all of your podcast forms. And she posts a new episode about once a week. And as I was saying uh, earlier in the show, if you're looking for a reminder, clairvoyance, we get into the ghost world, spirituality. Uh, and as you've heard the first part of this conversation, we're trying to apply it to the world we live in right now. Laurie, mm -hmm. are ghosts real? Yes. Yes, they are. Are ghosts real in the standpoint of what we see in Hollywood with poltergeist? No. Um, that's the question of is there good versus evil? Correct. Sure. There's this, a, this is a universe of balance. So for every one, there's another. But at the same time, what is evil? It's something that turns away from the light and it can be turned back toward the light. So, you know, I'm not going to get into the heavy philosophics of it, but at the same time, it's not that the ghosts are evil. And, you know, God bless Hollywood. They will take anything and run with this. Come on. They, remember, folks, what you see on the screen is being putting on a play. Hey, let's right. go get the curtains from mom's backyard, and we're going to put this in the barn, and we're going to put on a show. That's, that's what they're doing. Right. It's not real. So um, what is real is the fact that people's souls, if they have unfinished business, if something's a shock, if they don't, they get trapped. They get trapped in this plane. The, the plane of existence, which we would call, you know, the astral plane. That's where they are. And there are people who are very adept at traveling astrally and can see them. Um, and those of us who don't realize our psychic ability, we become ghost hunters and we kind of rush up against them on occasion. And then you get TV shows out of it. It's great. Yeah, I had a, a gentleman by the name of C.J. Faison. Mm -hmm. C.J. was a ex-NASCAR uh, race car driver. Mm -hmm. And he lives in Dover, Delaware. And I brought him up to the high school where, where I teach here. 
and we had him do a ghost hunt. And I was expecting, first, I want him just to tell the kids about how he started a YouTube channel and got to where he is because he's very successful Mm -hmm. doing these ghost hunts once a week. But then I was like, let's do one for fun, you know, just to see what happens. And so we held it on our stage and he brings out this thing called a spirit box, which is like an AM radio where occasionally you'll hear different words from radio broadcast and you ask questions from a separate location and that person's listening and they start to feed the answers back to everybody else. Mm -hmm. I started thinking that he was listening to us. So I was like, let me put on the headset. I got to hear this. I couldn't hear anything around me. I couldn't hear the questions. Mm -hmm. I start giving answers. I hear people screaming and I'm going, what is going on? But we videoed the entire thing. So I had four cameras rolling the entire time. We had lights that were fully charged, turning off, almost on cue. Oh, boy. That if you're in the room with us, you know, show us. Turn off something. Turn on something. And my lights that were was a brand new aperture set on video set turns off. And I look at the power, and it still shows that it has power. Mm-hmm. But I can't get the light to turn back on. Right. It was bizarre. And the hair on my arm starts standing up. I'm like, what's this, the, what device does this guy have on him mm-hmm. that he can mess with all this? And then on our infrared camera, we see water droplets moving through the air. And as a video guy with a bachelor's in television and film, worked in film, Mm -hmm. uh, I've never seen anything like it on infrared. And I've since given that footage to several people in industry, Mm -hmm. and they all tell me it's not artifacts. They're like, nope, that looks exactly like what you say. It looks like that's creepy. Mm -hmm. The same time that happened, magnets all fell off a door over off to the side. And so my students went running over to that. And we kept on the spirit box hearing, get in, get in. Hmm. Come to find out, uh, we had a student die at the high school in the pool. And so hmm. CJ says, do you guys have a pool here? And he doesn't know the campus whatsoever or anything. He goes, did somebody die there? Mm-hmm. I brought him over to the memorial that we have in the hallway, mm-hmm. which he had no idea about. You can't Google this because it happened so long ago. It's not public record. But sure enough, we had a student die in our pool mm-hmm. that wanted to learn how to spin after, uh, swim after gym class. He jumped in and drowned. Mm-hmm. I became a believer that there's something in energy at that moment, um, that there are things that are unseen at that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, I was raised as a Catholic. Mm-hmm. I, I like to call myself a recovering Catholic. <laughs> a lot I, of people do. I worked at the Catholic Church for a number of years, and there's some phenomenal people there, but there's also some people that did some really horrible things and knew of horrible things and, and covered it up. they're very lost, yeah. They're very lost. And as a result, I decided, I'm pretty sure Jesus Christ did not come to you know the world in order to have a church that is harming people in the oh, way no. that the, no. the church harms. So Correct. I've kind of... I still have a lot of Christian beliefs, but I don't really even know if I'm a Christian at this point. Um, Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, so I'm a little bit confused in that. But when I hear what you're saying about, you know, when we die, our energy can get stuck on the astral plane. Mm -hmm. That kind of contradicts, you know, the whole heaven message of the Bible and things. So I'm wondering, how do you have this conversation about the astral plane raising our energy up in this life right now the best that we can so not to get stuck being reborn over and over again (laughs) while also talking to people who maybe buddhism Mm -hmm. right we may have uh catholicism or christianity and what they believe uh the muslim faith the jewish faith right Mm -hmm. which is do the best you can right now right how do you talk to everybody and try to get each other under one umbrella with what you're interested in the work that you do i don't try um, 
people are going to believe what they believe, okay? And their life experiences are going to influence all of that uh, long before I come into any picture, if I come in at all. So that's not my goal. It's more along the lines of, I have in front of me a plastic water bottle. And what do we do with these? We recycle them. We're supposed to anyway. Okay, let's not put them in the ocean, folks. Let's recycle them. But if we have the presence of mind as mere humans to recycle a plastic bottle, what makes you think that we don't recycle as humans? Because the soul is immortal, regardless of your belief. It's not that we just, you know, we don't just drop off a ledge and, and go nowhere. God, in his most infinite wisdom and infinite intelligence, wants what we've learned to bring us back into that greater whole. The ancients always called nirvana. The, mm-hmm. you know, we return to the Godhead. And so that's a lot of years of learning. There's a whole wheel that the Asians have explained as karma or you know, however you want to look at it. I'm trying to simplify things here because these are thousands of years of teachings and, and learning. But the Buddha said it perfectly. You, know, you don't have to do a thing. It, it exists whether you believe it or not. So if we can recycle a plastic bottle, we come to this life, we learn so much, I'm going to take it on with me. And to me, that makes the most amount of sense, regardless of whether you're Christian, Jewish, Hindi, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, when you think about it, Western civilization, the, the Roman Catholic and you know, many denominations of the Protestants, we're the youngsters of the group. And we're the ones that say, no, reincarnation doesn't exist. Well, we're in a great minority. The rest of the world caught on about 5,000 years ago. So take a look at that and say, what do they know that we don't know? And that is the wisdom of it all. Proven time and time again. Go to India. Actually, you don't even have to go to India. You can go to Canada. Um, there were books, books written about people who remember their past lives. So clearly it can be proven. Right. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. So, you know, it's, it's not that we don't have proof. Okay? You've heard the, the phrase indigo children before? I have. Uh, is that children that have kept that wisdom from previous and are in tune with it? Is that, am I understanding that properly? Yes, and some of the indigo children do mature and forget much, but others retain. Um, it's a small, minor, small minority. Um, but yes, the indigo children are the ones who are the, they're the memories. Right. They're the ones that are meant to prove to us, okay, you need proof? Here, talk to this kid. And it's helpful for people to hear because it opens their eyes. Jess Stern was a, um, a man who wrote about Edgar Casey and reincarnation and all these different wonderful things. He was a New York Times reporter and about as cynical as you could possibly get. He also wrote a book called The Search for the Girl with the Blue Eyes. And it was a woman in Canada who beyond deja vu, beyond past life memory, absolutely proved that she had been born before. And he followed her and he chronicled the whole thing. It's a fantastic book. So if you want something Western, that, there you go. Right. But, you know, so you don't have to, you know, look up the Indian children who are on YouTube. Right. You can see the videos now. You can see the videos right. now. I mean, they've been posted. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious that there is something there. But when you talk about ghosts versus, okay, so where's heaven in all of this, right? Right, right. Okay. It is heaven 
to go on, okay? Do you think for one second when we leave these bodies that we aren't laughing and dancing? We absolutely are when we cross over to the other side because there's no pain. You are 30-some years old. You are at the peak of your existence again. But it's, it's the celestial way. It, it's, it's that plane of existence where your energy is positive. It's all good. But to get there, you have to cross through some other layers, you know, the astral plane and that stuff, and some get caught. They get caught because there's shock involved. There's guilt involved. There's something that weighs the spirit to hear. So here's where I want to tie back to the beginning of the conversation. Okay. I believe, and this is what I, I can share with my listeners and curious for your reaction to this. Mm-hmm. The awareness of our energy mm-hmm. is our consciousness of our energy, right? Yeah. So many people experience the world through our eyes, our ears, our taste, our five senses. Isn't the journey of life about really coming down to what is inside you, your soul, and how are you conscious of that? Because no one seems to be ever concerned about how to become conscious of your actual energy. Oh, that's a, that's a heavy concept. Okay, so <clears throat> every person alive is energy. Everything is energy, everything is frequency, everything is vibration. The microphone in front of you has a vibration. The rock that I stepped on on my way in the front door had a vibration. People don't understand that frequency is everything. When you take that, every person who lives has their own vibrational frequency. That is your soul. That is what is connected to you. And the chakra system exists in the body to connect that soul to the body for this lifetime. Just I'm oversimplifying greatly, but that's basically sure. it. So we need to become more aware of the fact that we, it's going to sound trite, but we really are spiritual beings having a human experience versus being human beings having a spiritual experience and having so few little saints along here right. and there. We're all saints in the making, if you think of it that way. We are all that kind of holy structure. Whether or not you're Christian, Jewish, doesn't matter. We have souls. We are eternal. And there's nothing that can stop that. You don't have to believe it. It's there no matter what. What's your thoughts on manifestation? As in? When you think something, it can come true. Now more than ever. Um, there's so much light coming into our solar system right now from the galaxy and the universe that um, I don't know if you've realized this, but over the past 50 years, it's been extraordinary what mankind has been able to manifest. And that's a cautionary tale as much as it's a wonderful thing. Because be careful what you wish for, you're going to get it. When people don't understand that which you focus on most, you will draw to you. So I, lo- I, love, I love people who worry. Let me take this for an example. People worry, oh my God, you can't get them out of their worry. They fret, they fret. Be careful of that. You are praying for what you don't want. And you're asking that to manifest and you don't realize it. So instead, it's a, it's a habit to, to really form. Turn that to a positive. Instead of worrying, uh, oh, my child's not going to get off the bus safely today. Say, I see my child bounding down the stairs and running into my arms. 
It's that kind of simple flip that will change negative manifestation into positive. Yeah, I learned, actually, I was like last year years old. (laughs) (laughs) I was this man. When I learned that I was praying the wrong way. There's a way? Oh, yeah, there is. Okay. And I I believe there is. Mm -hmm. And it took somebody to give me a crystal and give me these specific words for me to go down this rabbit hole of, I understand now that I was taught prayer wrong all my life. Oh, enlighten me. I'd love to know what this is. All right. So- in Catholic school, you're taught to pray for what you'd like to see, pray for the sick, pray for the elderly. Yeah, because you only right? believe it when you see it. That's Correct. the way it goes. Yeah. Right. So, you know, if a prayer might be at that table, you know, dear Lord, um, we ask you to be with my dad who's been suffering from whatever it may be, if they're mm-hmm. cancer, whatever, right. and guide the surgeons in their surgery, blah, blah, blah. When you go into witchcraft, they believe in intent. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, And so this uh, young lady who I taught was a witch mm-hmm. and she gave me a crystal after our ghost hunt. She said, I put an intent on this to keep you safe from spirits. I want you to put it underneath your pillow. And my wife's like, oh, no, we only do Jesus in this house. I'm like, I'm putting it under the pillow. Mm-hmm. But then I asked her afterwards, said, tell me more about the intent that you put on this. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, I know you're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. It wasn't I hope that you're going to be safe. I pray that you're going to be safe. Absolute knowledge. I know. Mm-hmm. And so that changed my prayer life. It changed my entire outlook and focus within the past year of I no longer pray for what I hope to happen. Mm-hmm. I pray for what I already know has happened. Yes, because you manifested through that. Correct. That's the manifestation part. And you know, I've told my listeners before, the day that the Large Hadron Collider came back online mm-hmm. and they increased the frequency, mm-hmm. I did a manifestation journal, and part of that manifestation journal was this show that I'm doing right now, Mm -hmm. and I already said it's successful. And when I put that episode out to everybody, my first episode, I had multiple people say, I'd like to pick up your show. And I knew that was going to happen because I manifested it already because I had an intent. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not because I practice some type of occult spirituality whatsoever. It's because I learned that what prayer was actually being taught in the Bible at that time was to have a pure intent Mm -hmm. with what we're asking from a creator, Mm -hmm. right? And have that manifest in. So, you know, being mindful of the amount of time I have left with you, I I, I think I want to get into this. Mm If somebody finds themselves right now looking at the world, which I believe a lot of people are looking at it negatively, saying mm-hmm. there's train derailments, people are being poisoned. We're divisive. Sh- should you get a vaccine? Should you not get a vaccine? Mm-hmm. Are the vaccines killing people? Or are they not? You know, uh, all of this divisiveness. If people are finding themselves in a world that's feeling hopeless or a world that's feeling under attack and that they feel that we're not in a good spot as humanity – what can people work on? What are some practical things that you know that people can work on themselves to improve their own frequency? And in case people don't understand that term, I understand it. And I think I know my guest does, but how about your energy? So you're feeling more positive. Let's put it in their terms. How can we help people feel more positive about the experience of the world right now amidst all the information? Well, let's go back to what I said before. Um, Everything you hear, everything you read, everything that you're about is based on bias. Let me give you an example. The public school system, where'd that come from? It came from Henry Ford. 
Henry Ford created the public school system to create an educated, just enough workforce that would be compliant and able to work in factories to build his cars. He also created the work day and work week system for how many hours we have to work, yes, he did. which everybody just accepts now. Right. Con- we just continue on. We just imagine that this happened you know, mm-hmm. out of nowhere. This wasn't given us to by the to us by the creator. Wasn't that the second tablet? Thou must work 40 hours a week yeah, in five days? Yeah, that second download. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I thought so. I thought Moses got that. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send that one back. Um, so I think the first thing I would say is be mindful of this. Be mindful that you don't have to worry about this. It's meant for you to worry. It's meant to keep people off guard. It's meant to keep people compliant, afraid, because people have power when you have fear. So instead, I would tell you that the wisdom of the ancients was be in the world, not of the world. You're of the world when you get involved in political parties and divisiveness and uh, you have to believe my way or it's the highway or read this book, but you can't read that, you know, because I don't trust the fact that you have any common sense or judgment. Who are you to say? No. We have to live in the world. We're here for a reason. We're here to fulfill a purpose. And every one of us has a little charter that we go through. So it's easier instead to maintain that level of independence, that knowing that I'm okay just the way I am. My experiences come to me and create me to be the human I need to be to fulfill that purpose. And how do you get in touch with that? Remember that moment of silence we were talking about before? Yes. Expand that. Even if it's just five minutes, three times a day. If it's, don't make it a structure if you don't want to. I find 20 minutes in the morning is sufficient for me. But if you need more, by all means, sit for an hour. I don't care. But what it does is it allows you to center and feel that you exist. Even amidst all the energies floating around you. Instead, you're focusing on grounding your own energy centering into yourself and then you can go and you can experience other people with a protect the protection of light around you your own light of existence and you can actually draw that to you in that meditation and just picture yourself completely involved in a bubble of pure white crystalline light it's protective it's rejuvenating it's restful and it lifts you into your day in existence you want to combat this stuff that's the most powerful thing in the universe right now, is to do that. That's beautiful. I was just picturing myself in that light as you were talking. Do yeah. that when you do ghost hunting too, by the way. Okay. I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's good advice just so things don't follow me. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I've learned that since. I, I didn't know that. They can stick to you. But I know it now. Yes, they can. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk to you about the animals and everything, but I, 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 I have, can come back. I have a feeling I'm, I, I'd love for you to come back. This has been a phenomenal conversation um for my listeners so if you've enjoyed the insight today with laurie elizabeth make sure you go on to your favorite podcast network i like apple Podcasts personally but i know some people like spotify mm-hmm. uh, but seekers insights with laurie elizabeth and your very first episode you do a great job of like here's what i hope to accomplish 
here's what's going on. Uh, but now you can go back. You've been doing this for like six months now, uh, about one episode per week. So yep. there's plenty of content for my listeners to catch up on in order to see what they like. Is there any episodes that you recommend? Maybe like a, I know the starting point, but is there one that you have that you're like, hey, if somebody wants to listen to something, this one I'm really happy with and I think it would be helpful. Sure. Um, I, did a, I did a couple of things uh, right at the beginning of the year. Um, I, I interviewed a woman by the name of Kathy Bird. She's Delawarean. Um, she's a clay monster. Um, and she's the most grounded, down-to-earth person you could possibly want. And she has a unique ability. She channels the library. It's a group entity. So the Akashic Record is, um, for all intents and purposes, the m- memory of every thought, word, and deed of this earth. Time doesn't matter because it's only a construct on this plane. So it's past, present, and future. It doesn't matter. So the Imagine the Akashic Record on the corner of a very large, maybe six, seven-foot table. The Akashic Record takes up that corner, and then the rest of the table is the library, and that's what she taps into, and they're with her all the time. Um, Listen to her story. She's episode four, but then go into January of this year, where I speak directly to the library through her. Oh, wow. And she tells you a few things to be on the lookout for, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Has anyone told you anything to be on the lookout for? on two things I'm going to ask before we rewrap mm-hmm. February 21st has that date come up which is quickly approaching mm-hmm. uh, it might be tomorrow by the time this episode airs <laughs> um, but has anyone mentioned anything about February 21st no okay I was speaking with somebody who said February 21st was coming up as like an earth movement day that something was going to change on earth uh, and the second part is I found a, a gentleman who talks about the 12,000 year disaster cycle on the earth his name is Ben Davidson mm-hmm. uh, but he talks about how us as humans are already mentally tied into it because of the uh, magnetic field of the earth and the weakening magnetic field that our brains operate. And so that's a lot of this dread that we're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. It's tied to a pole flip. It's tied to the mantle shifting on earth. Pole flip's already happened. And I've heard that as well. Pole shift already happened. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, but he's saying the mantle is going to move next. Earth is alive. Yeah. Gaia is a living entity. Ooh, Gaia. That's her name. Mm -hmm. Um, She is alive, and we do things to her that we shouldn't do, but she also loves us and she sustains us. So she changes. It's time to change things up, kids. Get your awareness going. Get your manifestations out there and keep your intentions sweet because you're going to need it. There you have it, everybody. Get your mindset right. Get those intentions set into positive places. Yes. And tune your energy. Well, Laurie, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been my it's pleasure. Been, yeah, I love when I get to do uh, interviews face-to-face because in this world of doing the podcast, so much is done online. I know. And this has been lovely to meet you, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to listeners. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. All right, everybody. We hope that we've honored your time well. As always, you can go on Twitter at Real Greg Bolden. You can find me there if you have any questions, and we'll get Laurie tagged up. I'm not sure if you have socials and stuff, but we'll figure all that out and get that onto the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll get her back. If there's questions that you have, fire them away. Happy to uh, ask them over, and we'll we'll pose them on a future episode. But in the meantime, 
I'm telling you, I've really enjoyed it. And you've already heard she has a, a really soothing, calming voice to begin with. <laughs> so it's just it's a very nice drive. Like I put on the podcast in my car and uh, it's easy to, to take that in and just start your day off in a, a nice way. So, Laurie, thanks for being here. Listeners, that's all that we have time for today. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Mm-hmm.